Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my Eye Clarity Podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest Eye Clarity episode. I like this picture of the eye because it's it's a picture of where we're entering into this black hole, which is called our pupil. And the pupil is the light regulator. It allows light into our eyes. And based on our sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, that's the part of our nervous system that regulates our stress levels, the muscles around the pupil are called the iris. And based on, again, our stress level, this pupil can get dilated. And the bigger it gets, the more light it allows in. The smaller it gets, the more it regulates less light getting in. And I'm going to talk a little bit about stress and how this pupil response changes based on our stress level. So the whole, my whole purpose of this class and my overall 37 years, this is going on my 38th year, devoting my entire career of offering a new direction in vision care. And today and tonight and this month, we're gonna talk about different strategies, protocols, exercises that can help you reach your goals. So first off, I'd like to talk about the teachers who've had a major impact in my life. And many of these teachers actually who came before me, developed this whole body of work called holistic optometry, developmental optometry. And the first person on this list is a guy most of you don't know. There are a few optometrists taking the course. His name was A.M. Skeffington. He was a doctor. He was a physician and an optometrist. He actually started behavioral developmental optometry in the 1920s, in the Midwest. And he started to talk about the eyes as a whole body system. That's not talked about today. You know, when you go to an eye doctor, the eyes are separate from the body and we're just looking at it as a mechanical camera and it only gets worse with age. Well, Skeffington started to teach optometrists how to think of the eyes as it related to the body. Number two, Dr. Albert Shankman, he was my optometrist and he was a holistic eye doctor. I met him in his mid seventies, I was in my late twenties and he was the doctor I went to that helped me completely dissolve my myopia and astigmatism. And he took a very global mind body approach. 
He incorporated yoga, <clears throat> meditation, and he wrote a book called Vision Enhancement Training. I'm not even sure you can get it anymore, but it's a book that talks about the mind-body connection as it relates to the eyes. And many of the philosophical things that I present were based on my work with Dr. Shankman. The next optometrist, Dr. Albert Sutton, was one of my dear mentors. He was a world-renowned developmental optometrist, did a lot of research in child development. He also was very holistic. He worked with nutrition. And uh, he was one of my dear friends who was instrumental in many of the different thing, many of the different things I do today. Number four, Dr. John Streff and Dr. Dick Appel. These were holistic optometrists. And I studied with them when I went to the Gazelle Institute. So the Gazelle Institute, which was affiliated with Yale University, was started by Dr. Gazelle who was a physician in 1948. I went there in the mid eighties. And it was a place where I learned to evaluate children and adults with a variety of learning related vision problems, spectrum disorder. And we had a multidisciplinary clinic. We worked with many different OTs, psychologists, nutritionists, psychologists. And Strephon Appel, taught there. I worked mostly with Dr. Appel at that point, but boy, they were amazing at prescribing lenses. And I'm going to talk about prescriptions. Many of you wear prescriptions and the way prescriptions are done today, in my opinion, is totally wrong. And people are overcorrected. They're given imbalanced lenses. <clears throat> and I'm going to talk about how you can navigate the system to get the proper lens on your eyes. The other thing about Gazelle and Dr. Sutton is the work called the Primitive Survival Reflexes. In the video I sent you, and I'm going to talk more about those movement patterns that govern our fight, flight, freeze response and our survival responses that we are unaware of many times that affect our eyes. So I'll talk about that in a few minutes. Emily Conrad, she was a pioneer in the field of somatic uh, movement. Continuum movement is her creation. And we're going to talk about continuum and bringing it in with the primitive reflexes. Why I do that? What is the relationship to the eyes as it relates to <clears throat> continuum? And a lot of the continuum teachers do a lot with eyes and eye health, <clears throat> even though they're not doctors. Biofield analysis. So a guy you could Google is a guy named Dr. Konstantin Korotkov. He is a biophysicist and he uh, works with energy fields and chakras. And he measures them with a machine called an electrophoton electrophotonic camera. I actually own one of his early models. And to be able to map eye problems with the energy field and chakras and acupuncture meridians <clears throat> is 21st century medicine. It's future medicine now. To be able to scan your energy field, to be able to see disease in the field before you see it physically. And in my research, being able to map if you have cataracts, macular degeneration, glaucoma, <clears throat> dry eye, 
myopia. You see it all in the biofield. And number seven, I need to bring in Dr. Parcells. So Dr. Parcells is a naturopath and a chiropractor. I met her at 103 years old, and she was starting a retreat center in northern New Mexico, starting a retreat center. <clears throat> she had been a practicing chiropractor and naturopath for many, many years. And when I, when I met her, she taught me how to heal the body from a distance using energy frequencies. She also taught me a lot about nutrition and how to combine foods. And in my video blogs, you've heard me talk about the importance of diet and nutrition as it relates to eye health. So I'll be talking a lot about that. So these are some of the touchstone mentors. I honor my mentors. There are many others as well. And uh, they are all here with us during this four-week uh, journey. So I wanted to give you a bit of an orientation. All right, so now we're going to enter the realm of holistic eye care. And this machine right here is called a Phoropter, and it has a lot of lenses in it. And for most eye doctors, if they even use this anymore, it's a very quick exam, which is clear, lens one or lens two. So we're going to go much deeper in our ex exploration, but we're entering the office and here we go. So I appreciated the, que the questionnaires that you filled out and sent back to me. And there are some key points that if you don't know, I want to make you aware of because there's so many commonalities in all these different eye conditions from cataracts to floaters, to dry eye, to glaucoma, to macular degeneration, to just wanting to preserve your vision as you get older. So these are some main points that maybe will give you some perspective. The first is, is that our eyes originate from the brain. Every part of your eye is brain tissue. That means that you qualify for neuroplasticity in the eyes. There is a plasticity and a capability and a potential for you to reverse and heal any eye problem because of the concept of neuroplasticity. Number two, the eyes are interrelated and interconnected to our body functions, our liver, gallbladder, stomach, the cranial rhythm, the cerebral spinal fluid, <clears throat> the lymph system. And when we have an eye problem, a lot of times there's a systemic or metabolic reason why our eyes are showing us certain diagnosis. The third concept is our eyes carry 60 to 80% of body tension. When we start exploring our eyes through exercises and processes that I've developed, people start to, to recognize how much tension and stress they try to see through the eye as everything. And it's why we're going to start with the moral reflex today, because I want you to begin to become aware of the amount of survival that you put into your eyeballs, which block the circulation. And you might say, no, not me. But I guarantee you, as you start 
getting a different relationship with your eyes, whether you wear glasses or not, you're going to start to be aware of the attitude that you bring to your eyeballs every moment of the day that says, I've got to be on guard. I can't get it wrong. I've got to be perfect. I could get injured. All of those attitudes that are filtered through your eyeballs cut off the circulation. So tension, that's a big one. So the way to heal your vision and increase your wellness is to realize most vision problems at some level have a psycho-emotional, energetic, and spiritual component. I mean, I'm going to talk about the physical, cellular possibilities that your eyes may need on a nutrient level, but on a deep level around why you have a certain condition, there is some of the there are some of these other factors that may start to bubble up as you explore your vision. I talked about wearing the proper lens. So we have one participant who is wearing somewhere around a minus four prescription and he's got this ongoing cloudiness and he thinks it's cataracts and it may be. It's very important, first of all, I know it can be difficult, but to get a baseline updated exam to find out exactly how much prescription you have in your eye. It doesn't mean that you're going to get the prescription filled, but it gives you a perspective that say, let's say in this case, his prescription is a minus six for distance. If he or she are trying to then say, I'm not going to wear any lenses for the computer. I just need to get close to it. You're actually creating more harm in doing that than getting some prescription that will give you a relaxed focus at 20 or 22 inches when you're looking at your screen time. That's really important. Second is that the cloudiness, sometimes we interpret, well, cloudiness means I have a cataract. It may not even be a cataract. This is why it is important to go get an exam. The doctor is there. You use him or her as a diagnostic to find out, do I really have cataracts? What stage are the cataracts? Where are the cataracts in the lens of my eye? Maybe the cloudiness is something completely different. Maybe it has to do with the fact that I've been so undercorrected that my eyes are just really tense and tired. So it's very difficult to self-diagnose. And it's also very difficult to self-diagnose with the eyes if you don't have a trained professional looking in there to find out exactly what you're starting with. You don't need to follow their advice. You don't need to go get surgery. But once you know what you've got, then there may be different protocols based on what the information is. All right, last but not least, in all of these conditions, let's say, for example, you've got floaters. Oxygenation and hydration are two key elements for eyesight. And I see this trend as we age, 
we are oxygenating less, we are hydrating less. And so our blood vessels in the eyes need that nutrients that help us get rid of oxidative stress and inflammation. So one of the questions I would have if I were you and you are dealing with these conditions is what are ways that I can oxygenate and hydrate? And I'm going to go into those things uh, in a little bit. All right. So now we're going to talk about the lymph of the eye. The eyelids are a major lymph center. We have glands here just right above the eyelashes, and we have glands here in the corners of the eyes, and they produce tears that cover the cornea. They also hydrate the eye. So inflammation is one of the big issues in eyelids. Why? Stress, trauma, toxicity, tissue starvation, all of these things create that. Now, protocols for hydration and oxygenation, MSM, eye massage and eye bath. I'm not going to go into those, but they're, they're on my video blog, and we can, we can go into them later. If you want a demo, I can create another video. Artificial tears, oasis tears could also be something if you're really dealing with hardcore dryness. The castor oil eye massage in the evening over the eyelids is very moisturizing. The compresses. So in week four, we're going to talk about herbal eye washes, fennel chamomile, rosebud. These are great for eye washes. And then finally, boosting your fats and oils, omega-3s. Those are really helpful. We need more omega-3 in our body. The DHA in omega-3 has been shown to reduce the risk of Alzheimer's, reduce inflammation, reduce dry eye, improve cardiovascular health. And we don't produce DHA omega-3 on our own. We need to get some supplementation. One of my favorites is something called Omegagenics 1000 by Metagenics. That is a, a really high-powered omega-3. So when we have a healthy lymph system in the lids, everything gets better. Cornea, lens, vitreous, retinal health. And so the lymph system is so important, and it starts with the eyelids. And again, we talk about these different um, modalities. There are many others we can use as well. If you've got more questions about that, just uh, you can ask it on the chat, or again, I can address it uh, in an email. All right, I want to bring in glaucoma because there are a few people who are suffering glaucoma. It's funny, I just saw a patient right before class here who was diagnosed with glaucoma, and I had her do this particular protocol, N-acetylcysteine, boost her B vitamins, add alpha-lipoic acid, add the herbal remedy coleus, glutathione, green tea extract, curcumin found in the turmeric, fresh maritime bark, bilberry, all of these things lowered her eye pressure and improved her, in, uh, her optic nerve. Again, omega-3s are very important. Here's the optic nerve right here, and it needs a lot of nutrients. This is the nerve plexus that actually enters back in the brain. When our peripheral vision is reduced, it's damaged to the optic nerve. 
but again, you can replenish it. One of the other things I want to say about glaucoma is get checked for heavy metal toxicity, exposure to pesticides. If you get rid of those things, sometimes the glaucoma goes away. It's not really glaucoma. But the retina has a very high need of metabolic, uh, metabolic need because of these microcapillaries in the retina itself. And in glaucoma, we've got the trabecular meshwork. This is a meshwork, and this is for everybody. This mesh is very important. You see these muscles right here? These change the curvature of the lens of the eye. This is a cross-section. So those of you that are doing reading glasses and you're tired of the bifocals, these muscles have gone to sleep because of all the magnification. I'm going to talk about ways to get off the reading glasses. But the meshwork are very important for our overall circulation in the eye. Cataracts. This is another one. You know, almost 90% of all people over the age of 65 are going to get diagnosed with cataracts. The lens should look like this. This is a clean lens, no oxidative stress. And when we start developing cataracts, glutathione is low, vitamin C is low, our trace mineral selenium is low, we need the carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin, the blue blockers, you know, these are all things I think you're aware of. And in cataracts, we have deficiencies. And carnosine is another one if we have ingested a lot of sugar. And carnosine breaks up the glycation in the lens, the glucose and the protein bond together in a negative way, which creates this cloudiness. If you're suffering cataracts, the eye drop oculomed combined with the 15% MSM is a great starting point. Oculomed's got glutathione and vitamin C in it. That's a no-brainer. I would do that for three months. Then you could add the N-carnosine drop, a CAN-C as it's called. If you feel you've got a sugar uh, problem, diabetics tend to have a higher risk of developing cataracts. So all of these different eye drops and nutrients, you can get it through the eye vitamins, through, the, um, through your diet. Uh, again, cataracts are very related to nutrient absorption. And we'll get into some of the more psycho-emotional aspects of cataracts in week two. And tonight, we're going to be working with our lymph system. So the continuum eye exercise and the lymph system could be very helpful. Again, the healthy lens. Visualize this. This lens needs to be white. It needs to be clear. If we start getting opacities, this is where the cataract starts to form and we can get cloudy vision or glare from headlights, different kinds of cataracts. Again, in week two, I'm going to go into that a little more deeply. All right, floaters. We could raise our hands. Everybody's got floaters. They're frustrated. I just got a text from one of my colleagues. I just got a big floater. What do I do? Well, the big floater is called a posterior vitreal detachment. About 60% of all people get vitreal detachments. The vitreous is the gel part of the eye. Why we get floaters? The gel sac consolidates, it shrinks, it pulls away from the macula. This is called macular pucker. 
epiretinal membrane disorder. That vitreous gel is made up of collagen, this right here. This is the posterior two-thirds of the eye. And it's attached to the lens, it's attached to the macula. And here's the macula right in this area here. So collagen, we need to get more collagen. This is why I love the 15% MSM. Get those drops going right away. I also would consider a liver detox. Adding these particular elements, quercetin, high-powered antioxidant, taurine, amino acid, bilberry, vitamin A. And this is a really interesting one, hyaluronic acid. You know, this is found in skin products. And our vitreous is an inner skin of the eye. And when we start, when the vitreous starts hardening, these protein flakes flick off and they're floating in this gel sac and the gel sac is shrinking. It's dehydrating. The collagen is hardening. So we need to desperately start boosting our vitreous hydration. Collagen is thinking collagen health. And I'm going to talk more about nutrients like aloe vera. That's a, a great one. Um, and different Things like bone broth, bone broth. So again, metabolic, metabolic waste starts occurring when we don't get the proper um, nutrients in the microcapillaries, whether it's in the retina, whether it's in the vitreous, whether it's in the lens, whether it's in the cornea. These structures, the, the uh, cornea, lens, macula, vitreous, Blood vessels don't necessarily directly innervate or bring nutrient absorption. They rely on their nutrients indirectly. It's called an avascular tissue. So they're even more at risk. So these are, you know, these are red flags on why we develop our eye conditions. Okay, let's go to macular degeneration. Some of you have wet, some of you have dry. Some of you have macular pucker. The macula is over in this area. You can see here, this person's got a, a wet macular. This is a dry macular. Sometimes the dry will move into the wet. The ERM is epiretinal membrane disorder where the vitreous pulls away from the macula and it becomes wrinkled. And the distortion that you see from the Amsler grid is something like this. On the left, that's a normal response. On the right, this is somebody who's got some kind of a macular challenge. Again, it could be a macular pucker, macular degeneration. Uh, but in any case, the macula is the part of the retina that's involved with detail and color vision. Now, there's something called um, vascular endothelial growth factor. And this is a signal protein produced in the cells it's a blood marker that I use that tells me about your blood vessel health. The blood vessel health, either whether you have diabetes or hypertension or macular degeneration. The key thing in VEGF, this, this, this signaling protein is, is that if it's high in the blood, then what's happening is there's a deprivation of oxygen and this creates a what we call new blood vessel growth. Unfortunately, this blood vessel growth is very fragile and this creates bleeding. 
This is called angiogenesis. Now, again, you'll get the slide. I would Google these things and really get to know what is angiogenesis? How is it affecting my macula? What is VEGF? What happens in this mechanism when VG, VEGF goes up or down? How does that affect our retinal, our retinal vessels? Well, in 2006, there was a study that took a look at what if we inhibit VEGF? Now you can inhibit VEGF through pharmaceutical drugs, but now you're dealing with synthetically made pharmaceuticals that could have a negative effect on your retinal cells, leave scar tissue, create more inflammation. And you're looking for natural ways to dampen or inhibit the VEGF. And the good news about this study is that many of these herbal formulas can actually inhibit VEGF and start to bring the, um, those blood vessels back into balance. So it stops producing the angiogenesis. Look at this, omega-3 also helps inhibit the VEGF. Every one of you should be boosting your omega-3 fatty acids. That is an essential nutrient for many things, but really important if you, you're dealing with an eye condition. Okay, a couple other things, and then we're gonna to move to our experience tonight. Again, I talk about the retina with micro, microcapillary health. The peripheral retina is an extension of your right brain. The macula is an extension of your left brain. The right brain is more spatial, gestalt. The left brain is more detail, acuity-based. There's something called nitric oxide. And this is a very important ingredient. It's getting a lot of press right now. It's a vasodilator and it can actually help improve your retinal health. Certain foods contain nitric oxide like beets, garlic, citrus fruits. Uh, some people can take, you can take a, a supplement called arginine which also helps boost your nitric oxide. Some people that have cardiovascular disease can benefit. If you have sexual dysfunction, uh, arginine can be really helpful. Check in with your naturopath or with me about that. But nitric oxide is really important for retinal health. And of course, obvious vitamin A, C, and E, uh, MSM. We're gonna talk about color therapy and continuum eye exercises. We'll talk about that tonight. All right, I'm gonna just talk for a minute about uh, lens prescriptions. We're gonna get more into this in week number two. So while you're in this program, this four, month, this four week program, I want you to spend part of each day without your corrective lenses on. And I want you to do it in a circumstance where you have zero zero visual demand, okay? And if you're taking your lenses off and you start to feel frustrated, darn it, put your lenses on and do what you need to do, okay? You don't need to write me and say, well, I took my lenses off and I can't see the drive or I almost fell down or then pick the circumstance where you feel the most secure because there is a connection between your prescription and feeling safe. And part of this is being able to interrupt patterns. <clears throat> and in myopia, 
It's a fear-based way of seeing, very hypervigilance. You start taking your lenses off and interacting with your emotional attitude around what you don't like about blur. You're going to get very clear on how much stress you put into your eyes to try to keep it clear. And it's all artificially based. The higher the prescription, the longer you've had it. So we'll, we'll kind of go more into this. Hyperopia, that's the magnification. So if you wear reading glasses, if you wear progressive lenses, start taking them off in non-demanding situations and notice how your blur is. Interact with it on an emotional attitude level, on an awareness level. Only do it when the circumstance warrants it. All right, <clears throat> astigmatism, again, we're gonna talk more about that in week number two, but it is related to your body, your body twist and your spine and pelvis. So we'll talk more about that. Somebody wrote me today about double vision, and I think there's probably a few in the class that are suffering double vision. So double vision is a condition where the two eyes don't work together. And the things, the questions to ask would be in the double vision, how long have you had it? Is it something that just rose up? Or have you had it a while? <clears throat> and another thing is, is it in the distance? Is it in the reading? Uh, are there times when you take your prescription glasses off the double vision is more, is it less? So in all of these situations, the, the starting point is to work with the eye patch. And again, as we move forward here in our class, we're gonna have everybody use the eye patch, but for people with double vision, it's important to spend part of your day, a few minutes with each eye to see if you can disrupt the double vision experience. And we'll talk more about double vision, but basically um, it really starts with learning midline, learning integration. Okay, I'm gonna come out of that right now. And let's see here. If you had trouble seeing the um, the slides, I will uh, definitely make them available to you. I'm hoping everybody can see me now. And I wanna talk about the pre-video, why we're doing it, and what we're gonna be doing for the next 15 to 20 minutes. So I'm gonna rewind a little bit. I'm gonna go back to um, maybe about 25 years ago and I was um, exploring with Dr. Sutton the ways that our eyes affect our brain. And one of the things we talked about in our discussions was a part of the brain called the brainstem. And the brainstem is the part of the brain that See if I can put a picture up here just for a sec. Nope, not that.
All right. I don't know whether you can see this picture or not. In the brain, this whole area is called the brainstem. It's from the spinal cord, the medulla, the pons, the thalamus. So the brainstem is called the reptilian brain. It's the part of the brain, and we can see it here on the right side where my arrow is. This is the part of the brain that's survival, our survival mechanism. And there's a part of the movements we start to learn early on called the primitive survival reflexes. And they're, they're related to the health of our nervous system. And usually at about age one, age two, these reflexes should be mostly integrated so that the infant toddler can move into more of the cerebellum area, if you can see my arrow, and then eventually into the cortical area, the prefrontal cortex, this green area right here. Now, for many people, even though we integrate the reflexes, I'm going to stop the screen share now so that you can see me, that in the, um, in the scheme of things, stress and trauma can bring these reflexes back into play. And there becomes this conflict between our survival response. Again, if we're under trauma, stress, we can take COVID over the last year and we've been told to isolate. We've been told to not socialize. And in some ways, this begins to trigger that survival response to emerge again. And it dominates us. We're under a lot of fear. If we watch the news a lot, Fear, fear, fear. It's everything that's put into the environment. And our eyes, because we read the environment that way, absorbs the fear and it puts us in that fight, flight, freeze response. And where I see it is in the pupil response. When we are in a fear response, where we're in a fight, flight, freeze, what happens is uh, that we we start to tunnel our vision. We start to tighten up, we start to grip. And we're not even aware necessarily that we're doing it. And of course, on a pupil level, the pupil stays dilated. This is why a lot of people have light sensitivity. Their adrenals are overworking, the cortisol levels are through the roof, and because the pupil is dilating, it never constricts, we have the light sensitivity. And that's one of the mechanisms that goes with this primitive reflex. And the one that we're gonna work on tonight and play with is called the Moro reflex. And if I had my niece in here right now, who's six months old and I picked her up, she would be doing this with her arms and her head. I'm sure moms out there, those of you that have either had kids or grandkids or no kids, when they're really, really young, this moral reflex helps us adjust to new situations. It helps us being able to go into Home Depot without freaking out. It helps us being able to go into a social situation without going, I'm losing my mind, okay? That's the moral reflex. So this fight, flight, freeze response, which goes into the eyes, what we do is we start introducing the movement pattern again, and this calms down our nervous system. So that's the part of the nervous system. Now, 
In our body, we are made of 70% fluid. Our eyes are 70% fluid. Aging occurs because the fluid dries out. And so when I started to study craniosacral therapy, I said, oh, the fluid body develops much earlier than the nervous system. So we can integrate the primitive reflex, but the fluid body, because it, it develops much earlier, the imprints, the stresses, the traumas, the whatever is going on is still imprinted in the fluid body. People are still reacting in a fight, flight, freeze response, which is why combining the nervous system integration, Moro, with the fluid body continuum, because continuum movement is like craniosacral therapy. It's helping you with the fluid body, when you do both of those things together, you are really healing the deep survival response and you're doing it from a pre-verbal perspective. You know, you can go to therapy for 30 years and you can talk about it, or you can do the combination of continuum with the nervous system and you may be able to heal it in five minutes, which is why if you saw the video, I'm lying on my back on the floor and I'm making some movements towards my midline and I'm making a sound called the puffed O and the sound is a way to drive the energy more deeply into the body where the compression is occurring. So compression is part of the holding and every one of us compresses our eyes, compresses our brain because we're driving from the Moro reflex. The mechanical part of the moral reflex is this. The fluid part of the moral reflex is like that. And we can go on our side. We can be more in our impulse by using the sound and the movement. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.